Huh? Had to vent. That's me. I'm just a regular vent. Um, yeah, on the announcement front, I can't believe it. It had me all tore up there. See, I'm probably people thinking, Matt, what's an old man? That old man said he's going to fight. I'm, I'm sort of like that song by Toby Keith. I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. Hoppy said. But I'll tell you what. We've got to select the ugliest sweatshirt. I think I know who's going to win it. <laughs> but, uh, Mike, can you, you already took all your stuff off there? Put, put that back on there. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you something. Hoppy, you stand up. You're undoubtedly uglier than the meat axe. Uh, she's, she's all lit up. Ain't nothing ugly about her. She's plumb pretty. Who else, got, who, thinks they, who else thinks they got an ugly sweater here? Huh? Oh, yeah. Look at, oh, gosh, she's got everything in the kitchen sink hanging on that. Okay. Now, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do it. I'm not just, I'm, I'm just going to say we're going to do applause. All right? For Mike over here, who thinks he's the ugliest? Hoppy. Who thinks he's ugly? I think Mike probably got it, don't you all? All right, we'll give him that. Or would you give it to him? Here's your, it's a brand new leather Bible cover case there, Mike. So, yeah, you can, if you don't, if you don't want to put your Bible in it, you can put your makeup in it, anything like that. That would be good. Huh? I, I tell you what, second second prize goes to Hoppy, and uh, it'd be a, a big kiss from my sister Linda. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Was there anything else I spoke? Oh, yeah, announcements. Uh, tonight at six, Matt will be uh, discussing Philippians one six uh, at six o'clock on the internet. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. December the 17th, which is Thursday, uh, Matt and Brandy are doing a virtual Santa at 5 o'clock. Now, is that here? Tell about that, Matt, what, what that's all about. Before you do that, let me tell you one other thing here real quick. Next Sunday night, a week from tonight, at 11.30, Fountain of Life is doing a 30-minute television show on WJHL about Christmas. So uh, set your, what is it? DVRs or watch at 11.30 next Thursday night on WJHL. Yeah, set your VCRs. Uh, so, poor dad. Make fun of me now, <laughs> it's, Make fun it's, of me. it's 1985. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, uh, Thursday, if you'd have your kids or grandkids or neighbor's kids or, you know, hopefully you're not so out riding around gathering kids, but anyway, uh, Thursday at 5 o'clock, uh, uh, Brandy and I is going to have Mr. and Mrs. Claus at our house uh, to do a virtual Santa Claus. I know it's hard for a lot of these kids to have a picture of a Santa, tell Santa what they want, so we thought it would be fun to have Santa Claus come to our house, and uh, they can get online tell Santa what they want, and uh, the adults can too, and uh, uh, then if you just happen to be out on Shadden Road and Gray, you might just see Santa and Mrs. Claus out there waving at everybody, so there you go. Just, if you would, when I come by, stand out in the road. I'm just being mean now. Any other announcements?
that I need to make. Miss Young, Matt, anybody? I did I did that while you was putting your outfit on this morning. Did <laughs> birthdays. I didn't do anniversaries. Oh, anybody have anniversary? Huh? Any anniversaries? Any first-time visitors? I hope not. Any first-time visitors? <laughs> I'd say they left after my initial rant. <laughs> that guy is crazy. He's going to start handing out weapons any minute. <laughs> all right, all right. Now, <laughs> Lord, help us all, please. Turn to Matthew chapter 1, if you would, please. And while you're doing that, I want to... Linda's got into... She, off and on, she's had chickens. And I have... Mom had chickens when I was growing up, and I hate chickens. I hate chickens. I mean, I like to go to Colonel Sanders and eat them. But I hate the nasty things. I know I'd be get ready for a date, have a new pair of Weegians on or something like that, and step out on the porch, and they crap all over everything. I hated those nasty things so bad. At daylight, they start, right before daylight, they start crowing about everything. I just don't like them. I don't like them. They're nasty. I don't like them. Mom had them. My wife loves them. She had one group. Uh, uh, raccoons killed every one of them, didn't they? Well, she's got, how many you got all together now? Ten. Well, she got them when they just little chicks. How many, uh, you got ten of them? How many of them are hens? <laughs> Too. So some of those roosters are going around. Oh my God. I can do do. They're having a gay old time. <laughs> so uh, I remember Linda was <laughs> Linda was looking up, you know, about all this stuff, taking care of chickens and everything. You may or may not realize if you got hens, you don't have to have a rooster to get eggs. Did you know that? You don't have to have roosters to get eggs. I was made all of San Francisco happy to hear that. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't need no man. <laughs> don't have to. They have eggs, uh, but now they won't bring forth chicks. You know, you, we still, we roosters still have to be. Now I think Mike and Kim have. One rooster and three hens, right? And that's the happiest rooster on that part of the road. Huh? Oh, okay. All right. Okay. If anybody wants a rooster, just <laughs> see, Linda, would you thin out some of your roosters? She's got three roosters that run around together, and I call them the three amigos. They were, they were running around. <laughs> then she's got one rooster that I said is me. She's got one rooster that's got one eye. And so I said, that's me. You, and, uh, and the others will pick on him. And the bad thing about that rooster with one eye, he goes in a circle all the time. <laughs> I can identify with this rooster. <laughs> I feel sorry for him. I told Linda, I said, what I want you to do. So those other roosters pick on him. I said, I want you to find a hen a beautiful hen, a hen that'd make Dolly Parton be ashamed, and put, uh, put him and that one beautiful hen in a cage in front of those other roosters. So she's, you, I'm serious, you're going to find him a hen, aren't you? We'll call her Dolly. 
just to put in front of those other roosters. Well, you may think there's madness in my, huh? Do you really? Oh, please do. I'll pay you for it. I want to get. I want to give that to one-eyed rooster there. Make the others just feel so bad about themselves. Now, there's a reason why I brought up these uh, eggs without a rooster. Do you know that, Paul Barry? You don't have to have a rooster to lay an egg. Did you? <laughs> Can you do it right now? <laughs> I'm sorry. Come on now. Get serious with me. Matthew chapter 1. Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ is on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord, let me get the page turned here, appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. May God bless that reading. Hearing of it to our hearts, let's have a moment's word of prayer. Father, again, in the name of Jesus, we come into your holy presence. And we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this revelation in your word to the world. God is in all things for your glory. For it's in Jesus' precious name we ask and pray these things. And all of God's children said, Amen. When God created man, he made him from the dust or the dirt of the earth. In fact, that's what the word Adam means, Adam. It means literally from the dirt or from the mud, from the clay. And when God made that, how did he give Adam life? He breathed into him. When God breathed into that lump of clay, God's word tells us he, it gave him life. Now, God's word also tells us in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. In fact, let me turn there to you. If you have your Bibles, it's your Genesis, then Exodus, then what? Leviticus. Turn to Exodus chapter 17 and verse 11. Because this is important. I want, you to, I want you to hear this. God's word says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. The flesh cannot live unless it has the oxygen, the nutrients, and the different life-giving sustenance that comes from the blood. So when God breathed into Adam, he literally breathed the blood or the life into Adam. So from the very beginning, we see that uh, the life is in the blood. Now, you can take a hen's egg that has not been around a rooster. Jason, I want to take notes on this. And uh, you can see that egg will never fertilize to make a chicken. But the moment that that egg, that ovum, is uh, impregnated, 
immediately you will start to see little streaks of blood veins in the yolk. Here's the interesting thing. When a woman conceives and has a child, at no time, uh, uh, no time will the, the blood of the mother ever mix with the fetus, with the child. At no time. All the nutriments, all the oxygen, even the transferring back of the waste will go into the placenta and to the umbilical cord to exchange back and forth. But never is there a drop of blood from the mother that will ever enter the child in any shape, form, or fashion. In fact, that's why there are cases that women who have had AIDS have given birth to children who did not even have AIDS. But now remember that. This is important because your salvation may very well rest upon that situation. Do you remember? Turn to Exodus, if you will. Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. This is when the children of Israel were in Egypt. And they were told to cut down a branch of hyssop to offer a sacrifice uh, with an animal without spot or without blemish and to take that blood and put it over the door seals. Here in Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, God's word says, And the blood shall be to you for a token from the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So this was a type, a shadow, if you will. Uh, this was oftentimes called in the Old Testament. Things that were a shadow that was to be fulfilled of Jesus in the New Testament. Time and again, as we saw from Leviticus 17, the life is in the blood. When he breathed into Adam, he gave him life, his blood to circulate. The life is in the blood. We see that the sacrifice of an animal without spot, without blemish, to take hyssop, to put over the doorway, that when the angel of death came by, he'd pass over the houses that were covered with the blood of the, the sacrificial lamb. Now, it's interesting, note, uh, just a side note, a, para, a, para, a paraphrasical uh, side note. When Jesus was on the cross, if you notice, it makes mention of a, a hyssop branch that was used to be lifted up to Jesus Christ. That's not by accident. It is to bring to your remembrance that Jesus was the fulfillment of that type back in Exodus. That Jesus' blood did not know the sin of, of Adam's sin. For example, remember when we go back to that hen's egg? The blood is developed in the baby totally and of and by themselves. Anybody who says that it's not important that uh, we recognize the virgin birth do not understand what their salvation is about. Because you see, when Adam sinned, it wasn't Eve's sin that caused the curse. It was Adam. When Adam partook of that forbidden fruit, that's where the curse came in. It, it is, in every way, it's as though when Adam had eaten that forbidden fruit, he received toxic blood poisoning that entered not only he, but every generation of people ever since. You see, to that until that time, there was no death. Jesus was born without the taint of Adam's sin. The sin of Adam was in the blood. The life is in the blood. So therefore, when Jesus was born, he had flesh partaker of the flesh from Mary all the way back to King David to the time of Adam. 
He had flesh, but the life is in the blood. And therefore, when the Holy Ghost came upon Mary and that which was conceived in her did not have the taint of Adam's sin. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 10, no man takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. No man takes it from me. He could not die unless he willed it because he did not have Adam's taint in his blood. He knew not sin and death. He had flesh as mankind, but he did not have the taint of Adam's sin. That is why our redemption is by the blood of Jesus Christ. He was the only sinless individual that ever come upon this sphere. If you will look over here. Uh-oh. I'll get that later. Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11, if you would, please. Show you the power in the blood. Thank you, Matt. Sorry about that. i got to watch where I put my big clawed hoppers. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 and 11, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser, the devil, of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Look at verse 11. And they overcame him by what? The blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their own lives unto the dead. Let me tell you something. If you have something in your house that is a spirit or whatever that is not of the Lord, if you, ha if you have some kind of uh, situation going on in the house or you feel like there's some kind of uh, malevolent spirit around you, quote that scripture in Revelation 12, 11. But they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their own lives to the death. The devil cannot stand reference to the blood of Jesus. Why? Because there's redemption in the blood of Jesus. There's life in the blood of Jesus. In fact, look over here at 1 Peter chapter 1, if you will, verses 18 and 19. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, in the Old Testament, they would bring, uh, they try to bring an animal that had no spot, no blemish, whether it be a lamb, whether it be a, a, a red ox, or whether it, it be a dove. All these things were a shadow. It, it did not last. In fact, when you get time, go back and look in Hebrews chapter 9, particularly chapter 10, where it talks about how the blood of bulls and of goats would not save it. It was just a, a type. But the blood of Jesus once and for all. Through the first Adam, we died. Through the second Adam, we have eternal life. And the blood of Jesus Christ, in fact, you see the same thing in Colossians chapter 2. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We see how very clearly where God's word tells us that the blood on the cross, the blood on the cross washed away the writing of our sins that were on us. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. We see time and time again that uh, the blood, the, the life is in the blood, the salvation, the redemption is in the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Our redemption did not come by silver and gold or the uh, sacrifice of some animal. Once and for all, once and for all, Jesus Christ was lifted up. For somebody to say the virgin, you see, the, the, the Mormons believe that a traveling centurion soldier came by and impregnated Mary. We see the time and again people say, well, there's, uh, they, they, they think they're taking a scientific high road and say, well, it's, it's impossible for a virgin to conceive and bring forth a child. You see, if you don't believe in the supernatural, then you don't believe in salvation. God can do whatever he very well wants to do with his creation. That ovum inside of Mary, the moment that the Holy Spirit touched that, the blood that flowed through that was so unique that it did not contain the sin of Adam's death. Why don't you look over here at Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, if you would, please. Romans chapter 5 verses 8 and 9 but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us verse 9 much more than being now justified that means being declared innocent being justified by his what by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him Folks, let me tell you something. We see all these terrible things happening in our country right now. Hey, it, America deserves it. God's Word tells in Romans 1, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteous to those who hold or suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So and what's happening to us? We can't say, God, why are you allowing this to happen to us? We're so good. No, we're not. We allow for all types of debaucheries, all types of perversions. In fact, it's even saluted. We have millions of babies who were ripped from the womb and killed. We're no different than the Canaanites when they'd offer their children on the altar to Baal for, for uh, pleasantry. Because that's what abortion is. It's a matter of because it's inconvenient. It, it's an inconvenience you don't want at the time. That's what, we, what it's offered up to. We need the blood of Jesus Christ for salvation. If you trust in anything else for your salvation, you're going to split hell wide open. That's all there is to it. For we're not redeemed by silver and gold and things corruptible, but we are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You see, you thought I was just going on with foolishness about that chicken thing, but it's a perfect illustration of the fact that the blood that was in the child Jesus and his mother Mary's womb did not have the taint of sin and death. That's why the virgin birth was of necessity. Without the virgin birth, we are all still dead in trespasses and sin. But because of that, it's amazing how God has worked all these things out, isn't it? Details are such that only, only a true, living, loving, compassionate God could have thought these things. Amen? And made the preparations for them. And so at, here at Christmas time, we we have uh, so-called intellectuals. In fact, God's Word tells in Romans 1, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. We need to humble ourselves before the living God and realize any time we receive salvation, it's not by any merit that we have done. It's not by any good works that we have done. We and you are saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, I've 
done worked at a lot of or done shows at several different radio stations by invitation. I did shows for um, uh, every uh, on Saturday nights, calling talk show uh, for WHCB and Colonial Heights that Christian station there. I did uh, calling talk shows, and uh, I'll never will forget. I had a a former witch on. I'd bring different people on and interview them and such. I had a former witch. Ironically, she learned witchcraft while as a student at Milligan College. I, just, I thought that was that was so odd. But anyway, she said that in their covenant, a covenant is a minimum of 13 people, that they may be told to go out and put a curse on somebody. And said which we would do that unless they were a born-again Christian. And they said that a born-again Christian said we could tell that there was some type of glow or something about on their forehead and we would disobey the order because we knew that if we tried to put a curse on a born-again Christian, it would come back on us. And so they would go out and say that they did when in reality they didn't because they knew what would happen. You see, I believe that seal is of the blood of Jesus. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And that's when we look at this this morning and at Christmas time, here at Christmas time, we, we may gloss over this coming Sunday night where, of course, we're supposed to record it tomorrow, right, the TV show. I want to be talking about proving, and some of you have heard me teach on this. In fact, I wrote a little book a little booklet on it about proving the existence of Santa Claus. Now, it's not about Santa Claus. It's who Santa Claus represented. Everything from uh, the Coca-Cola version of the white coat and the, uh, or the red coat with the white trim, everything, everything regarding of the fact that he was the 151st signer of the, the uh, Nicene Creed and what the Nicene Creed stands for. Now, of course, we know Madison Avenue has taken Santa Claus and perverted it for materialism. But we should celebrate the true Santa Claus, just like Paul said, I wish that you would follow me. In other words, the, uh, we see in First, First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, respect or honor those elders who give a good example or a good report. And so St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Father Time, Father Christmas, we ought to recognize that what he stood for, and it comes back to that babe that was born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger. That babe did not hold the blood of Adam's sin. It was, born, it was conceived and born in righteousness. Therefore, that's why God's word can tell us that he was sinless, sinless, the only applicable sacrifice for our sins. We're not going to get to heaven because of what good works we may or may not have done. You've heard me talk on this many times. Tony, we do good works not to earn salvation, keep salvation. We do it because of salvation, because we love the Lord and because he loves us. And we want to be ambassadors for him. We want to represent him. We want to do the things we know that he would want us to do because he is our father now. We're changed. We're born again but has nothing to do with earning salvation. In fact, all our good deeds are but filthy rags in the sight of God. But we are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's why when I pray with somebody to be saved, I always incorporate, cover me in the blood of Jesus. Though my sins be as scarlet, I shall be white as snow. Casting down imaginations, casting down these, these things that we try to conceive. God's word tells the Colossians chapter 2, 
blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took them out of the way, nailing them to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. What that means, and, and I've gone over this before, every sin Vic Young did, and here's what's amazing, every sin that Vic Young will do, not intentionally, not intentionally as of now, let's put it that we all, we all sin intentionally, and particularly when you get angry. All your sins were nailed to the cross on a piece of paper written down. That's what casting down God's word tells us. Our sins were nailed to the cross. When Jesus died, his blood that flowed from his brow, his hands, his back that was torn open by the cat of nine tails, washed over that writing of ordinances. And when the blood passed by, the sheet of paper was clear. There was nothing on it. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That's why the centurion soldier, when Jesus said to tell us die, and the ground shook, and the clouds were dark, and he could look up to heaven and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Amen? Let's stand, if you would, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your presence. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for that one who found favor among women, Mary. Thank you that you received flesh sinew, bone, you could feel. But thank you that the blood that pulsed through your body knew not the taint of sin and death. Thank you that you died in our place to wash us in the blood of the Lamb. Father, I pray if anyone here today does not know you as the Lord and the Savior of their life, that they'll pray this prayer I'm about to pray. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save me. Cover me in the blood of Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill me to overflowing. And thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, while Jeannie's playing his invitation, please come to the front of the church. Christmas is a fabulous time of year. On one of my trips back to Oxford to present a paper, Lynn and I stayed at a place called Pickwick House. Pickwick was a story written by Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens, of course, as you know, he wrote a Christmas carol. He talked about uh, the spirit of Christmas, past, present, and future. We see that he got a lot of these ideals from an American author, Washington Irving, and how he would talk about uh, Santa Claus. Santa Claus is a fascinating study. But remember that Santa Claus, 
Sinterklaas, St. Nicholas this time of year. He wanted to be known only as one who would point the way to salvation in Jesus Christ. It amazes me that all these atheists and people uh, don't want anything to do with belief and salvation in Jesus Christ, and yet they'll say they're celebrating Christmas. <laughs> and Christmas means Christ, the Messiah, that's what the word Christ means, the Messiah, the anointed one, mass, the celebration. And so these people don't want no part of it, and the words that they say are actually advocating the celebration of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so very much for this day, for the blessings that you give us, and guide us in our going out and coming in and bring us back safely at the point of time. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, Amen. God bless you. Tune in to Matt's teaching tonight at 6 o'clock.